The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk in partnership with TheChairShot.com presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network and in association with NDPW.com. Turnbuckle Talk is sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com where you get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST. Turnbuckle Talk is also partnered with Phoenix at FNXFit.com where you get 15% off all your health supplements simply by using promo code TBTalkPod. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. Listen on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you catch your favorite programs. And now, pro wrestling fanatics, are you ready? Here are your hosts, Big Joe and Carl Carafel. All right, guys, Big Joe back here on Turnbuckle Talk for episode 189. Now, just to get something out of the way, just right off the hop here, uh, for those of you who are regular uh, viewers and listeners, you'll notice that uh, Carl is not here this week. Um, he's um, got some things uh, kind of on the go. That's um, all, all you guys need to know. Uh, he will be back soon, but uh, in his place. Um, I'm blessed on this podcast to be part of the HTM Podcast Network because I have a lot of people that I can uh, kind of fall back onto and uh, lots of great friends and uh, fellow podcasters and fellow uh, wrestling enthusiasts to fall back onto. So first, uh, back here on Turnbuckle Talk, we have Mr. Ryan K. Bowman. How are you doing today, sir? Great, Joe. It's always a pleasure to get a chance to chew the fat when it comes to pro wrestling with you. Absolutely. And up in that top right-hand corner, uh, you may uh, recognize him kind of being in our chat kind of several times on uh, some previous episodes. Spencer Love, welcome to Turnbuckle Talk, sir. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to finally be on the uh, on the other side of it rather than in the chat room. But uh, it's good to be talking wrestling with you guys in one shape, way, way, shape, or form. Excuse me. Very cool, and uh, fellow Canadian too. So you're you're outnumbered, boy, eh? uh, the, this week, Ryan. Uh, again, so two Canadians to, to one American. It's the overly also two handsome gentlemen, and and contrast to me so you know i'll bow out <laughs> i lost already <laughs> well, we have some uh, good stuff on, on tap here but to kind of leave off the episode here uh let's talk about uh, our guest first time on turnbuckle talk uh let us know a little about a little bit about yourself spencer 
Well, where to start? I'm a wrestling enthusiast, like you say. But uh, for a couple of years, I was the owner of the WCSN. We prided ourselves on covering the Canadian independent wrestling scene all the way up to sort of the proverbial major leagues. So um, I've hosted podcasts, written articles, worked for promotions backstage, uh, done commentary, basically anywhere you can get in professional wrestling other than actually getting into the ring myself. I've done it and I absolutely love it. You know, I'm, I'm very, very lucky to be based in Edmonton, Alberta. We've got at least four wrestling promotions that are through here semi-consistently, even more than that. As I know we're going to talk about pretty shortly here, but uh, even more than that coming through town every so often. So we're really, really lucky out here to uh, see a lot of great indie wrestling and with wrestling as good as it's been on television and streaming services lately. It's easy to be a wrestling enthusiast. For sure. Uh, in that same vein, then, uh, before we kind of get into some of our regular topics here, what's kind of your, your, your take on uh, professional wrestling these days, on just kind of the state of the business and, uh, and, and just given what you watch? And what do you think? What, what's your take on wrestling these days? I'm loving it, man. And yeah. I think that the nicest thing about it, you know, crowds notwithstanding, I think that every promotion does need to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt because everything is just better with fans. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that for me. Yeah. But for what they're doing in the crowdless shows, whether you look at impact and the way that they're really utilizing the, the crowdless environment, or you look at what they're doing with the Thunderdome for WWE, I think that every promotion's really done well as far as how they've approached it, despite all of them approaching it in, in wildly different ways. Um, and all of them are putting on a great product. You know, I think that we could talk about any individual promotion right now and find something that not only we really like, but I think that a large variety of wrestling fans would really like. And that's the thing that I'm enjoying lately is, um, you know, you still see people comparing the ratings on Thursdays, and that's got to be my least favorite conversation <laughs> in professional wrestling. No. But other than that, I think that a lot of professional wrestling fans out there, maybe it is because we're all stuck indoors or forced to sort of tighten our social circles a little bit, but, um, for me, it seems like everybody's in agreement lately that professional wrestling in and of itself is pretty great no matter what you're tuning into weekly. And you uh, kind of hit the nail on the head there. There's, there's, a, there's a flavor. There's, a, there's something out there for every kind of wrestling fan out there. You know, with, with yeah. WWE, more of the sports entertainment style. If you're somebody like me that likes more kind of like the uh, legitimate sports kind of feel of professional wrestling, we have New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, when we have Impact, yeah. we have, we still have uh, Ring of Honor kind of sort of getting back into things now. That there's something out there for everyone, very much like music, television, movies. Yeah. There's a flavor and there's a taste out there for every fan. And, um, that that's the cool thing about right now. Like, whereas you know, when I first started kind of watching, you know, WW or WWF at the time was really kind of the one sort of in the mainstream. And then you know, as we've kind of gotten older, it's like this whole wide open world of professional wrestling has presented itself, and it's been a really cool mm -hmm. time to be a fan, and a cool time to talk about wrestling as well. And uh, Ryan, uh, before we get into kind of our major topics, you got to do something really cool this week. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. A great conversation with Elias. We talked about his um, uh, his career and obviously his feud right now with Jeff Hardy. But, you know, it was a great experience. I, I have not done a lot of things with WWE over the years uh, mm -hmm. just because I ran my own independent website. So now to be a part of the Sports Keto Wrestling team, and that gives me an end to, you know, have an opportunity to talk to some WWE superstars. It was really cool. You know, it was a great experience, and I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to you know, whatever assignments they send me going forward. I want to ask though, before we get into the topics, yeah, because Spencer, Spencer is the new guy here. Mm -hmm. I want to ask him, uh, what, what were your first experiences with wrestling? I mean, when did you become a fan and, um, how do you think that shapes your view of wrestling today? Hmm. 
I've got a bit of a different story. Like most people you talk to, whether it's wrestlers, promoters, whoever it may be, like they've been lifelong fans in it since the start. And like, not that I didn't watch wrestling as a kid. One of my first memories I have, I used to always, I, A, I'd have to watch it at my grandma's house. Hey, JP, sorry, as my pup comes up. Um, hey, I want to interview been... that dog. <laughs> Sometimes he talks less than I do, which is nice. But, uh, so... I used to watch it at my grandmother's house. Admittedly, we weren't there like every day, so I wasn't a consistent viewer. My first memory of professional wrestling ever was the big show and Brock Lesnar breaking the ring. That was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And admittedly, like I say, um, it wasn't like it got me to tune in every week, but it always sort of stuck with me. So when I was about 17, 18 years old, this was June 2010, um, without watching a ton of WWE or WWF or anything else outside of it, uh, I took a shot and went to an independent wrestling show here in Edmonton at the Century Casino. It was the Prairie Wrestling Alliance, and some of the names on the card were like, you had Casey Spinelli on the card, Taya Valkyries on the card, Michael Richard Blaze, you know, some of these really, really major names in Canadian indie wrestling. And from there, that's what really hooked me. So I started getting in sort of um, not really the ruthless aggression era, not really the PG era, but that sort of weird middle ground to it. Since then, though, like it's been it's been sort of the ride or die for lack of a less cliche way to put it. You know what I mean? I haven't missed an episode of Monday Night Raw in six or seven years. Mm -hmm. I haven't missed an episode of SmackDown unless I have to work and probably about the same time. I love wrestling. It's it's always been there for me. The first major memory that I've got, uh, favorite match of mine, I guess, would be uh, CM Punk, John Cena, Money in the Bank, 2011. That was really the flag yes. in the ground for me. Very, very cool. Yeah, and I always ask people that question, not as a way to, you know, hey, you haven't been watching wrestling as long as I have, you know, <laughs> in a way to degrade them. It's more of, yeah. you know, I think it's interesting to see how different generations of wrestling fans, what they relate to and what they enjoy. Because yeah. as Joe's talked about, maybe his cup of tea isn't the same as mine and or the same as yours. But at the same time, I think we all agree that we enjoy the overall product. Yeah. Yeah. 100%, man. I would completely agree with you there. Like you say, there's a, well, like Joe says as well, there's a lot of flavors in professional wrestling. You can see a Absolutely. lot of different things, even on one independent show. You know, even that one I went to to first experience indie wrestling, you're getting a ladder match. You're getting a fatal four-way between four of the best professional wrestling women at the time in Canada. Like the variety you get, it's like going to a great buffet, man. How can you turn it away? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. And, and you know what, Spencer, we just hijacked Joe's show, so we should let him <laughs> take over and captain now, the ship but, again. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. And, and, and for myself, for, for those maybe tuning in for the first time, you know, for myself, where I kind of came from, one of the first things I can uh, recall seeing in professional wrestling, uh, I believe I was probably at my great-grandfather's house, and um, I, I can remember watching Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Mr. T. That was probably like one of the first things I can kind of recall seeing when it came to professional wrestling. And, you know, from then it's uh, evolved into me being more like a New Japan pro wrestling style viewer. So that's something with, with myself is my, and that's a lot to do with, with, um, with what I do for work, but not just that things have kind of evolved throughout the years. So I'm kind of going away more from the sports entertainment to more to like the, the more legitimate feel kind of professional wrestling. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I digress on that. Uh, let us, uh, I just mentioned WWE. Uh, let me pull this up here and let's get to our first topic here for this week. And we're going to be talking about Mr. Goldberg. It looks like, guys, that this man is going to uh, make a comeback in WWE. Uh, let's start with uh, you, Spencer, since you're our guest here this week. What's your take on uh, Goldberg possibly having another run in this company? 
you know what in in professional wrestling i like to be an optimist and i do really think with most professional wrestlers especially once they've reached sort of the level of of star power a phrase i hate but but the level of star power that goldberg has there is a place whether or not being in a championship feud is the place that for me is um i guess the issue that's where it starts to arise for me like one of the first pay-per-views if not the first pay-per-view if i'm remembering correctly that i went to was survivor series 2016 lesnar versus goldberg headlining and i wasn't a goldberg fan i wasn't a wrestling fan growing up like i tell Mm -hmm. you guys so i never really got sort of the mystique behind it or or what goldberg really meant to pro wrestling up until sort of the lead up to that seeing goldberg in a match like that his match at mania 34 with brock lesnar is still my favorite ever sub five minute match (laughs) there's definitely a place for goldberg in professional wrestling um i do think that sort of leading into it where where at least on my end i'm assuming he's going to be targeting roman reigns or going after the universal championship i don't know if that's it for me because in in the weirdest way possible um, it makes him just feel like another one of the guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of the main roster, and rightfully, sh- rightfully so, is chasing the Universal Championship. It makes it feel important. It makes people, you know, it makes it have some panache in people's eyes. Bill Goldberg, for me, has always been more of a, a special attraction. Coming back and wrestling a guy like Brock Lesnar just to prove I'm king shit at Turd Island. Yeah. Or coming back for that sort of spot against Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam where he was sort of, the special enforcer for lack of a better way to put it in a match. I think stuff like that is really cool for me coming back and really working a full program, really working an extended stay. Um, it's like working an extended match for him. I can't say I'm a huge fan for myself uh, before I throw it over to Ryan here, my opinion and kind of my take on Goldberg has like my wrestling uh, viewing has really evolved over the years, you know, during his, uh, his time in WCW, uh, it was kind of something to kind of behold. Uh, I don't know if it was maybe just like the way it was presented or, or, or whatnot, but I guess now that I, I kind of know a little bit more, I guess my take has kind of changed. And as you can guess by the, the graphic here, th- this does kind of sum up how I kind of feel about Mr. Bill Bill Gober. I guess n- really nothing personal uh, with the guy. Uh, my fear, especially with somebody who's not staying kind of ring ready is this right here the potential of injury you know even we saw him uh, coming back with undertaker and uh, that could have gone really really bad and uh, and in this particular case i mean this essentially this moment uh captured uh, in, in picture here essentially ended the hitman's uh, career so you know th- that's my concern is that he comes back and given that Roman is really getting a, a big push and that I feel like they finally are doing the right thing with him, that there's a high potential of uh, bad things happening here. What do, what do you think, Ryan? I I agree with almost all of these legends who are fifty, sixty plus years old. You know, you bring them back for a special attraction or a certain featured match, and there's always that potential of ring rust and the fact that they aren't the same person they were 20 years ago Mm -hmm. factoring into you know the possibility that they could injure themselves or someone else in the ring but then on top of it on the flip side of that i just i've gotten to the point now where i've grown numb to the idea of wwe just continually carting out these legends for like a one-shot deal or Mm -hmm. you know this person's going to come out of retirement to wrestle in saudi arabia you know at some point it's gotten to be overkill with the fact that they just keep carting out these guys who are way past their prime for special events that turn out to be not so special. 
And for but for I myself, think, I, I think uh, sorry to cut you off, Spencer, but uh, no, uh, feel free. For for uh, for myself, and I think it depends on the talent as well. You know, I really like the approach, especially if somebody isn't you know really ring ready anymore. I, I really love what they did, and they used it sparingly. Was with with Piper coming back and doing uh, these Piper's pit segments and that kind of stuff. That can be just as impactful and just as entertaining as opposed to going in there and possibly you know not only hurting yourself, but somebody else and, and kind of tainting your legacy at the same time, you know? So I think, it, again, it depends on the talent, but with Goldberg, I mean, it was just always about getting those two moves in and matches over. And I get that, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's lost its mystique over the years. And I think it has a lot to do with the, the presentation as well. I don't disagree, but for me, and, and the counterpoint I'll make to that is in, in professional wrestling, I think that, it is a promoter's job or a booker's job to put a professional wrestling talent in the best position possible to succeed. So mm -hmm. for me, um, you look at Goldberg Undertaker. You could have looked at that a mile away. You could have never watched wrestling before and said, hey, we're going to put two dudes with a combined age of 107 in a wrestling ring together and have them just go at it. I think that to be quite honest with you, outside of the theoretical dream match that it was, um, you're not doing a service to people. And, and mm -hmm. Jericho put it perfectly. I can't remember who the interview was with, but um, they said that DX versus Brothers of Dis Destruction match. Why you wouldn't have DX going against guys like, say, Roman and Seth, and then yeah. uh, the other guys going up against another younger tag team, just Shinsuke and Cesaro, just to use a tag team right now. That's where you're really going to start to see the benefit. And even to counter contradict my own point from earlier, Putting Goldberg in a match with Roman Reigns, theoretically for me, is the best position possible if you exclude the universal title for me. Because mm -hmm. in Roman Reigns, you've got a guy who has proven he can work. And, and I think that that's pretty inarguable by this point. He can make anybody he's wrestling look like a star. You watch what he does with the Usos right now. Mm. Um, he's just the perfect guy as far as that goes. So do I think it's going to be a blockbuster match that everybody's going to want to watch 50 times over? Personally, no, it's not for me. But am I a lot more excited at the prospect of watching Roman Reigns face off with Goldberg than I was for Goldberg and Braun Strowman? <laughs> yes, because yeah. I think for me, that's putting Goldberg in the best position possible to succeed. And if it doesn't succeed, well, then there's a little more ammo in the in the quiver for everybody else saying, well, why are you bringing these guys back? You know what I mean? I get all sides of it. But if you're going to bring the guys back, at the very least, uh, do everyone the, the service of putting them in the best position possible so that everybody's entertained and everybody is safe at the end of the day. For sure. And, and essentially, the, the word right from the top from Mr. Vince McMahon um, kind of been doing some research for this episode we're told uh, Vince McMahon couldn't care less what anyone thinks about him using Goldberg and the head honcho still believes there is value in the Goldberg name so pretty much right from uh, the horse's mouth there so to speak that uh, Vince still believes in Goldberg and still believes that he's a household name mm -hmm. well and and I would agree and I'll close her out after that but I'd agree like you see the segment numbers anytime he's on TV they do bump and it's not often that you'll get people who uh Yep. are a proverbial ratings bump at this point, a big return, anything along those lines. Usually they're marginal. That's why Goldberg was brought back to win the Universal Championship prior to Mania this year is they saw a bump every time he was on TV. True. Do I, do I like it? Not my personal favorite, yep. but can't speak with the millions and millions. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only one that's going to move the needle more than him is going to be Mr. Brock Lesnar right now. That's the only other one that can be that huge ratings draw where, I mean, you bring him on television, you're just going to get more viewers. It's just a fact. Or possibly the return of The Rock. Yes. If, if 
if that the too. Rock would come back to have this rumored Roman Reigns feud, then yeah, I, he's the only other person because obviously he's the biggest star in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only other person besides Brock or Goldberg that could really, you know, really, as you said, Joe, move the needle. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, that can happen as well. All right, so going up next here, uh, let me pull this up for our next topic. Carl's usually the one that does this, so I'm still kind of get used to doing this here. But uh, <laughs> we started talking quite a bit about, I don't know how closely you guys have been following the G1 over in New Japan, but I've been following it pretty closely. And uh, to kind of pull this up here, uh, we have a winner of the G1 tournament in Kota Ibushi. He uh, has won the G1 and uh, has earned a uh, title opportunity at Wrestle Kingdom coming up this year. Um Again, I don't know if, how much of this tournament you guys have gotten to catch, but I mean, I've been watching almost every night. Uh, missed a few, but I mean, this tournament has been fantastic this year. What's your, what do you guys think about the G1? Well, I will say this. I, I think it's an, a further illustration of, you know, for so long, New Japan, it was uh, Tanahashi and Okada. And uh, of course, Omega had his run in there. But it's so strange to see those two guys were kind of the stalwarts of New Japan. But now Abushi has pretty much over the last few years pulled himself up into the same category as those two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's the been a really interesting thing with this too, a couple things that I've really picked up on this tournament, uh, the Young Lions, uh, Uemura, uh, Gabriel Kidd, and Yoda Suji. Essentially, they've been kind of flip-flopping uh, doing the the opening kind of match. And then, but I mean, these guys, have been, they haven't been outshining the rest of the card, but they've just been putting on really, really solid matches that have just kind of hooked you in for the rest of the show you watch this match with these guys that are essentially still training and you go wow okay i want to see more of this yeah i think it just speaks to new japan as a, as an organization not even just as the professional yeah. wrestling goes i think that um yep. you know to bring out the canadian in me right let's talk <laughs> about hockey so yep. um the detroit red wings up until a couple of years ago was 22 straight years of of playoff appearances and doing well in those playoff appearances and all of that comes because they're not ever they're not ever not retooling. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? A lot of teams in any sport will sort of have high, high points and very low, low points. Whereas the Detroit Red Wings for years, they were constantly adjusting, constantly bringing in new faces and and constantly drafting well, bringing in young lions, like you say, Joe. You know, they, they really as an organization continually retooled themselves so that their product was always excellent Mm -hmm. and i think that looking at new japan you can make a lot of parallels for that because like you guys say over about the last five ten years there's been a consistently rotating cast of top guys in that promotion and at least for me they've never really lost a ton of momentum you know what i mean this is a perfect example of that this is the first if i remember correctly this is the first g1 that all of the aew guys all of the elite guys were not in it even last year you know you have moxley in it yep it's pretty incredible to me that they're still not only bringing out great matches, but still consistently able to bring in new professional wrestling fans or fans who normally wouldn't tune into new Japan just because it's that good every single time. And for me, man, it's, it's not obvious, but Kota Ibushi for me, I would have thrown thousands of dollars on him winning this thing because I love watching him wrestle. He says at the end of the thing, I want to become God. I think he's already passed that. That guy's winning the, uh, IWGP heavyweight championship wow. at Wrestle Kingdom this year, and I couldn't be happier. Very cool. Uh, with this too, it's like at the beginning of this tournament before they even started. It, it, it to me, it almost feels like the the president of this company just sat down with all these guys and just like lit a fire in everybody's ass. Because I mean, even the guys like Yoshihashi, Tai Chi, uh, everybody has stepped up their game, and, and even when they lose, they look good. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And one thing that uh, I really like to do is 
you know, when I watch wrestling, I, I kind of analyze things, maybe even to a fault. You know, I like to break down moves and that kind of stuff. But one thing that I really pick up on Japanese wrestling, I think that, especially in WWE, they could take a, um, something away from this, is that when they are about to botch a move, essentially, or something's about to go wrong, they don't try and they don't wait or try and repeat the spot right off the hop they just they move on to something else they realize okay you know what that that something is about to go wrong or went wrong we just move on to the next thing we, we don't stand there and wait for the spot to happen or anything like that that's one thing that especially the the young lions and you know the rest of the uh of the talent here they're, they're so so good in japan of just the match flowing so that even if there is a mistake, you don't really pick up on it because they don't dwell on it. They just, they move on. That's something I think yeah. that in North American wrestling, I think they need to um, do a little bit more of because when you see that happening in North American wrestling or you see it happening in a match, it's really jarring to somebody for me that just pays attention too much, I guess, you know, but uh, yeah. that, uh, that, that's something that I really, really notice when I watch New Japan and I see that I go watch like a half an hour SmackDown or something. I go, Oh, you know, that, that really stood out to me. Man, you know, I think it also speaks to how well that company is booked when you look at how much talent they've lost over the last couple of years mm -hmm. and they continue to just put on such fantastic shows that, yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's leadership and that's them going back to some of their basics, some of the cornerstones, as I said, Okada and Tanahashi and guys like that, they're always going to be able to rely on. But I really think the booking of that company is what makes it so strong and why you can almost plug in new stars left and right um as we've mentioned before they they've never had a shortage of being able or a shortage i should say at the factory when it comes to manufacturing stars that, that and yeah. it's because the the writing and the storylines and the booking of the company makes so much sense absolutely mm -hmm. i agree 100 percent. all right guys before we um move on to our next topic we're going to talk a little bit about canadian wrestling uh, let's take a brief break here and hear from our friends over at collarandnoblebrand.com wrestling a love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Dictionary defines hero as a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Being a hero in life is far more than words printed on a page. It takes an unwavering code, a compass that points true north, always. And in times like these, it takes sacrifice. Hero shouldn't be a word defined by a dictionary. It's a word that should be defined by the best of us. Hero has a new definition. All right, guys, Big Joe back here on Turnbuckle Talk. And as you just saw uh, from our friends uh, over at ColorElbowBrand.com, that uh, if you use in 
use promo code JK Podcast and get ten percent off your purchase there. And of course, you saw at the end there recently, um, Shad Gaspard, of course, uh, passing away tragically. They put on a special shirt uh, for him, and all of the proceeds from uh, the sales of those shirts went directly to his family. And they've done something uh, similar for Animal, uh, the World Warriors, as well too. That uh, you can actually go still and uh, buy that shirt, and all the proceeds go uh, to benefit uh, the family. So some really cool stuff there from our friends over at Collar and Elbow Brand. And I can vouch for them. They're comfy. Yes. Oh, you're wearing one right now. Cool. Yeah, I've got a few of the shirts. They are great. Very cool. Nice. All right, guys. Well, let us uh, move on to our, our next uh, topic here. Uh, we're going to talk about some Canadian wrestling stuff here. And I'll throw it over to you, Spencer, because you're kind of um, sort of in the, in the heartland of, of, of Canada. Um, you're, you live in, in Alberta, if I, my memory serves me correctly here. I talked to too many people throughout the day. Um, <laughs> that um, I mean, you're, you're right in kind of the hotbed of professional wrestling in Canada over there. Mm-hmm. You're right close to you it. You bet you, man. And, and as far as it goes, you know, at least from what I've been, been sort of told from speaking to professional wrestlers across the country, um, Alberta, Ontario is still huge. Quebec still got a thriving independent scene. You know, all of this with, uh, with COVID nonwithstanding. British Columbia as well has, I think, six or seven promotions that are at least, again, semi-consistently running. I do think that the Canadian wrestling scene, and it's something you and I have spoken about a lot, even outside of uh, uh, the podcast sphere, mm-hmm doesn't really get the shine that I think anybody really thinks it deserves, whether it be podcasters or wrestlers themselves. I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of things that I think lead up to that. And maybe we'll dig into those a little bit later here, but um, looking at each of the promotions, I can comfortably say going out to promotions in Edmonton, you know, we have the Prairie wrestling Alliance. We have real Canadian wrestling. that's running weekly. It's the first time it's been done in Alberta since stampede wrestling uh, monster pro wrestling's running. And then of course, Canadian wrestling's elite is here at least every couple of months. And each one of those shows, every single time you go out, it's a lot like we talk about with the majors every single one of them brings something different. And I know that my limited experience, albeit going out to BC, seeing shows from Thrash or from Big West or from All-Star, heading out to Ontario, you look at some of the promotions they've got out there, you know, Smash being one of the most prominent, every single one of them brings something great. I love Canadian pro wrestling. I love Albertan professional wrestling. um, And it's better than it's ever been, in my humble opinion. And the one that I want to kind of uh, focus in on is one that you'd mentioned there, Spencer, Canadian Wrestling's elite. Of course, if you've been following this podcast for a while, you know that uh, you know we have a pretty tight uh, partnership and relationship there with uh, Danny and uh, Canadian Wrestling's elite. Uh, uh, I believe you've um, had a chance uh, to see and uh, talk to them, Spencer. I know Ryan, you've uh, uh, talked to to Danny uh, briefly. I mean, this is something very unique, not only in Canadian professional wrestling, but kind of unique in professional wrestling. It's just itself in North America. Uh, these guys tour for basically 30 straight, day, 30 straight days from one side of the country to the other side of the country. We're, we're getting really close to uh, the East Coast now. And um, they they just they, they just kind of go nonstop. I mean, obviously right now, you know, things aren't complete just, just because we're dealing with COVID, but they are still running some dates. But I mean... And just outside of that, some of the names that Danny's been able to pull into this promotion. I mean, I've looked at a list throughout the years of people that he's been able to bring in. I mean, my God. I mean, just um, <laughs> it, it's absolutely incredible. Names, na- names that have come up here. And you know, and even, even recently, um, some probably the most noble one that I can think of getting to meet him in person again was Jake Roberts. Um, getting time spent getting 
time to spend with that guy just is it's uh, it's like the second or third time but just uh, every time it's just getting to pick his brain for you just for a few minutes it's absolutely fascinating absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. I think what Danny has, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to butt in there, but I think what Danny and his promotion have been able to do is, you know, I don't know if people know this or not, but Canada is not exactly a small country. It's huge. And and they have (laughs) literally gone, as you said, Joe, coast to coast and have really done a great service for Canadian wrestling. I know there are many great promotions in the Great White North. As, As an American, I don't get the chance to see them live. But I've seen a lot of stuff on video, and it's just it really, as as Spencer said earlier, it's it's almost like a renaissance of Canadian yeah. pro wrestling yeah. right now. No, Ryan, you uh, you put it absolutely perfectly. I think the thing that I love about CWE specifically is is you get such a wide variety of talents, like both of you guys have alluded to. Yes, we sir. wouldn't normally get an opportunity to see a guy like Crusher, AJ Sanchez out here, Kevin O'Doyle, or guys like that. But because of the CWE, at least a few times a year, I'm going to be making a road trip with them in Alberta because I get to watch those guys wrestle four or five times. You'll mention the big names. I got to watch Jimmy Jacobs wrestle for him, TK O'Ryan wrestle for him. Yep. Unfortunately, because of the border, they're not able to on this coming tour but shane douglas was supposed to be on it vampiro was supposed to be on it some of the great professional wrestlers of both our times and and the things that they're able to do as a touring promotion i think like you guys both mentioned that just makes it all the much more impressive what they do it's not like you're trying to rent out one building 12 times a year you're trying to rent out 30 different buildings 30 days of the month it's absolutely incredible to me what they're able to do. It's it's such a huge, huge asset for Canadian wrestling to have. Even the fact that those guys are appearing on Talk is Jericho, the fact that those two guys are on one of the biggest platforms in the world when you're talking about Danny Duggan and Crusher AJ Sanchez, it's massive for not only CWE, not only those two guys specifically, but Canadian wrestling as a whole. I was just yeah, going to say, point. I was just going to say that um, you took the words right out of my mouth, Spencer. I was going to mention that they were uh, just on uh, Talk is Jericho and uh, – uh, I will say though we, we had him on turnbuckle talk first, but uh, I digress on that. But uh, it, uh, but yeah, some re- really well, cool. You got to get that plug in there, Joe. You got to get that plug. Yeah, in. get it Come in on. there. But um, I, I, but again, I mean, just it's been absolutely fantastic, and and just to to see them now. This leads to a big bit of a bigger topic that I want to kind of bring up here. Is it possible? And Spencer, you might be able to speak on this to a little bit more. But is it possible for a promotion to kind of really rise up in Canada itself to kind of rival to maybe be something you know, that can compete? Maybe not with WWE, but with like Ring of Honor or, or Impact, or could it be Impact itself? Uh, yeah. Maybe in a position now to kind of become that Canadian promotion that can kind of stand on the international stage. Yeah. Um. My answer is going to be no, but it's not for a lack of talent. Yeah. You know, I think if you're to get something like, like, you know, for years, there's been the idea of an NXT Canada. And if you're to get a WWE yep. kind of level of money behind it, <laughs> I think a hundred percent, but you could say that about anywhere. If yeah. you wanted to have NXT Istanbul, it'd be one of the top drawing promotions in the world. If it had WWE's money behind yep. it, you know, but um, the couple things, as far as Canada goes, I think that, you know, you mentioned earlier, Ryan, we're not a small country by any means. And I think that that's a huge disadvantage. When you even talk to people out in Ontario, they're lucky enough that they're able to go to two or three different shows a weekend. When you look at some of the people who are able to wrestle in the United States, you're going to two or three shows a day in some cases, or at the very least able to hit up multiple cities over a consistent course of days. You don't really have that in Canada. You maybe you're able to, at least on the Albertan side, I can speak for. You've got people who will travel out to BC and you'll have people who will travel out to Manitoba if they're able to. But it's not like you're able to hit up independent shows A through Z on your way there, able to get your name consistently out there. So um, 
it's not a lack of opportunities in the sense that there aren't places for people to work. It's a lack of opportunity in the sense that there's not a ton of consistency behind it. You know what I mean? Um, the other things that I think could be, be impediments as far as it goes is, um, you know, the Canadian dollar is just not as strong. I don't think you're going to get many outsiders from Canada across that would be coming up consistently. I think that you would need, at least in the first little bit, some sort of, um, sounds really shitty to say, but some like, worldwide name value some individuals who have been down to the states consistently i know that the hardcore canadian wrestling fans will tune in every single one of them i'm sure will tune in but when you're a country with that's that's 10 times smaller than the united states is you've got that little bit of backleg work to do on on that end as well and i think um the third point that i had on that for me um where would you put it you know, I think logically, if you're going to aim for somewhere in Canada, well, Winnipeg realistically is probably a great location because at least you're central. But if you're in central Canada, how are you going to bring out some of the guys from the East Coast, like your Cameron Stevens or your Jeremiah Javens, yeah. even for the guys in Ontario? You know, how good would a promotion looks if you've got a Tyson Dukes, a Casey Spinelli, a Holden Albright and Alexia Nicole? but they're all driving 15 hours to get to Winnipeg or everybody from Alberta, like your Michael Richard blaze or the Voros twins out in BC ravenous, Randy Myers, they're driving nearly the course of a day to get there most of the time. And flights are expensive. I think there's just a lot of, of impediments in the way that don't get me wrong. I think could be worked out if there was again, the money behind it, or you had someone that maybe didn't have the money, but had 27 hours in a day that they'd be able to put into it. Um, it ain't for a lack of talent. It ain't for a lack of passion among Canadian wrestling fans. It sucks to say logistics, man. The logistics sort of kill it. And you had kind of hinted at it there, Spencer. I think uh, one of the major kind of stumbling blocks for this idea of having a Canadian promotion, a geographic we're talking Canada is huge and the population is really spread out. It's not really kind of, well, somewhat centralized kind of in Southern Ontario. We have a high population density there, but once you start yeah. traveling outside of that, things really start to kind of get spread out. That That's an issue there. And just, um, again, you know, the, 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 the Canadian dollar itself and COVID right now obviously doesn't help, but, um, but yeah, but just, uh, everybody, yeah, just, uh, it would be so hard to, unless you, like you said, another thing there would be to have a huge investor willing to pour a lot of money into this, whether it be yeah. like a, like a Mark Cuban or whether it be like a Tony Khan or one of these guys yeah. that just has money to just piss away. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's for me that that's the number one thing though, is just the fact that Canada, the population wise, it's so spread out. There's not a lack of wrestling fans. Trust me. There really isn't. It's just that we're all spread out all over the place. As an outsider, exactly. I would also throw in that, you know, someone, in my view, uh, as an American, I see a lot of cultural differences in mm -hmm. Canada. Awesome. I mean, obviously, you know, say you, uh, let's say WWE did NXT Canada and they put it in Quebec and made mm -hmm. it a French-speaking show. Well, that doesn't appeal to the English part of no. of Canada, which is the majority and vice versa, you know. So, and I, I also see that, you know, the Ontario side of Canada is way different than British Columbia, you know, so mm -hmm. it's, it's a very diverse culture to me. And that's where I, I kind of, I don't know if you could have a quote unquote Canadian wrestling federation that appealed to all of Canada. It would have to be more global and it would just be essentially like a WWE version of Canada. Yeah. You know, I, I just, again, I mean, I, I'm not speaking as a Canadian, but I do see a lot of cultural differences based on geography because it yep. is a wide spanning country. 
Yeah, he, he, oh, yeah. He had mentioned just even just inside of itself in Canada. Uh, I haven't lived on the the, uh, the West Coast, but you know, I have lived on the East Coast and I have lived in Ontario. And even just just the way that people are, it's very different from Ontario. Even even just from Southern Ontario to Northern Ontario, it's different. Uh, let alone like the East Coast <laughs> or the West the Coast. Same in America. I yeah. mean, I live in Illinois. I live in Southern yeah. Illinois, and we're way different than yeah. the people up north in Chicago. Right. It's just yeah. uh, it's you know a lot. There's when you're that big of a nation. There are so many regional differences that I don't know if you can appeal to everyone. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned the uh, the NXT uh, option. We will get to that later in the episode, actually. So I didn't want to get too uh, far into, into that one, but uh, but yeah, well, we uh, jumped ahead a little bit <laughs> for sure. But I but I guess right now for, for me, just like the two stand up Canadian promotions. I mean, got to say CWE, and then I guess uh, the possibly the more notable one would be actually Impact now, because uh, Impact is mm-hmm. essentially a. a Canadian company. It feels weird to say that. It is the biggest, <laughs> actually, yeah. biggest pro wrestling company based in Canada. Whether I mean, you consider them actually a Canadian company, they are owned by, they yeah. are a subsidiary of a Canadian corporation. And the, we'll take it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and what's what's really interesting with them, I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit here, but I want to mention now that we're talking about impact. If you were somebody that, that, that's followed this podcast for a long time, you'll know that you know back when we first kind of started as a podcast, uh, Impact was in, in real serious trouble then. You know, and I had almost said you know they're going to be done as a company, and then you know they managed to resurge a little bit, then they dropped again, and now you know they're back on the rise again. It just it's they're very unique as a company. The fact that they've been able to kind of maybe not sort of reinvent themselves, but to you know keep themselves from going off into oblivion uh, as uh, seemingly they're always kind of on the verge. But uh, just recently, I mean, they've really kind of stepped up their game, and, and it's resulted in some interesting professional wrestling. I, I got to say, I haven't watched a ton of it, but I, you know, watched enough to to kind of be in the know. And just uh, I, I I dig what they're doing. I, I got to be honest. In, oh, in yeah. honor of Halloween, let's just say that they are the Michael Myers of pro wrestling <laughs> because they continue <laughs> to rise from the dead. Right. And I have worked very closely with people in Impact and their management, and it you know there are so many times that even in my own mind, as much as I. I was rooting for those folks and I wanted to see them do well. There were just so many times I counted them out and I thought they're finally dead and gone. This is yeah. the end. It's over. And for whatever reason, they just continue. As I said, like Michael Myers, they continue to rise from the dead and continue to swing that ax. And <laughs> uh, for whatever reason that they're, they're just not going away. And as you said, Joe, they found a little bit of a resurgence with this move to access TV. Yeah. <sighs> Is it possible for them to maybe become the, this larger company in Canada to maybe you know get out of Southern Ontario? Maybe they can get out to maybe like the West Coast and maybe out to the East Coast. Spencer, do you think that this is like a logistically is this a possibility for them to maybe step up a little bit more to be that Canadian company, or is it maybe a little too much to ask for them? You know what? I I would love to see it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think it's an opportunity for every promotion. And I know Impact based in Canada has a, a bit of an easier time with it. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's a huge opportunity for just more Canadian content from every wrestling promotion. You know, any any house show that's come to at least anywhere on the West Coast in the last little bit, I've made my way out to. I've been lucky enough to go out to NXT house shows. And they always sell well. I think that everybody knows that, that Canada's got a very hot fan base wherever you go. I know it's been a while, but you even look back at Backlash 2004. That was at Edmonton. Yep. And that was a hell of a crowd, right? I think that anywhere you go in Canada, um, I know, again, you look at the Canadian dollar, you are going to make a little bit less money. And in professional wrestling, every dollar counts. 
but there is such a huge market for professional wrestling out here. Going to the house show here in Edmonton, uh, the last one I was able to go to was The Fiend versus Seth Rollins before the Hell in a Cell main event, so it was still cool. Um, but still, just an electric crowd for the entire show, the entire show. If you're to think that that a Monday Night Raw or a Friday Night SmackDown or a pay-per-view, God forbid, um, wouldn't do well here, I think that that that's crazy talk for lack of a better way to put it. I think they would do very, very well. And even if you've got to hold it in maybe a bigger stadium because you can't compensate because the Canadian dollar won't let you run in a <laughs> 10,000 person venue. Well, so be it because I think you'll sell it out I, again. You look, we're selling out the sky dome for WrestleMania. Yeah. I have a, a pretty good feeling you would sell out. Is it Rogers arena in, in Vancouver? Yeah. I think it's Rogers arena. You'd sell it out and you got what? 20,000 people in there. Tickets would be gone like that. I think there's a huge opportunity for whether it's it's WWE or AEW. Bring MLW up here. I think a promotion like that would do incredibly well here. Yep. Ring of Honor, sort of your, you know, maybe ROH and ML, MLW have a bit of a difference here, but um, maybe you start to look for sort of the proverbial super indies. We talk about Canadian professional wrestling and the lack of great promotions. Smash Wrestling, by my money, is one of the top five indie promotions in the world. Again, it's just sort of got the Canadian... Uh, um, lack of shine to it, I suppose, is the best way you can put it because yeah. they don't really get the recognition based on where they're based. Mm -hmm. There's so much great wrestling up here. I think that any way you choose to tackle it, you want to build a Canadian super promotion, it can be done. It'll take a lot of work, but it can be done. You want to run consistent shows in Canada, whether it's a quarterly pay-per-view, a Monday Night Raw, a Wednesday Night Dynamite, it can be done. It can be done well. I think whatever opportunity professional wrestling promoters would want to look for up here, can be found. You just got to put the work behind it, as with anything in pro wrestling. <laughs> and along with that, too, uh, just talking wrestling talent, if we were to, uh, say, take a, like a top 100, like even of, of, of wrestling talents, whether it be like historically or even currently, if you were to, to list uh, like a top 100 of wrestling talents out there, guess what, folks? A very high number of those talents are either Canadian or has some kind of Canadian ties or, or relations. So um, just, just put it out look there. Look at the list of people who have graduated <laughs> from the Storm Wrestling Academy. Oh, my gosh. Just look at that list. And yep. that's one school that was here for 15 years. Yep. And that's in one place. One place. Right? Ontario. Yep. They're doing incredible. BC, the Lionsgate Dojo that's running out there with Nicole Matthews and Artie Spencer, doing incredible. The people that are coming out of here in the last little bit, incredible. And let's all just talk about the hearts if we want to take up an entire <laughs> couple hours on the podcast. Yeah, we could for sure. I mean, the 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 hard dungeon has got to be one of the most legendary uh, training facilities of all time. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Tyson Kidd was the very last uh, to graduate from from his school. And I mean, just um, you want to go through the list of that place of people that have been trained to come through that place. I mean, some of the best names in the business. Yeah. It's insane. Mind blowing. Even look at some of the people that are, that are wrestling right now that Tyson Kidd trained. You know, Michael Richard Blay is wrestling out of Edmonton. Yep. The fact that that guy hasn't been signed is one of the. If there are <laughs> 10 cardinal sins, here's number 11, man. That guy should have been somewhere 10 years ago. Brandon Van Danielson, same story. Alex Plexus, who had wrestled for a. I got to be honest, I'm not 100% certain where he is, but when I watched him wrestle, he was on that first indie card I went to. He's incredible. Some of the people that are coming out of here, man. It's insane right now. Real Canadian wrestling that I bring up earlier. Heavy Metal, their champion for 542 days up until a couple of months ago. You won't find any better anybody better wrestling in Edmonton right now. I could go on for this for, for <laughs> hours. I guess you're going to have to have me back on that end. But, Absolutely, for sure. Um, 
you guys are you guys are bang on when you say it. I think that there's a lot of untapped potential in Canada and there's a lot of people who have hit their potential that frankly well, you get the right eyes on them or, or they get sort of the right break. Boom, to the moon, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> you, even look at, you even look at some of the places where wrestling is few and far between, like the Maritimes, you know, that oh, part man. where they, there's limited amounts of the year where they're able to put on shows, but they've also produced some talent. I mean, even some of the places, I guess I don't want to uh, make them sound obscure, but some of the most remote places in Canada oh, yeah. are producing talent that go on to do things here in the States and overseas in Japan. I mean, even, you know, we talked about some of the major promotions in Canada, but even some of the smaller pro promotions are putting out some serious, serious talent. Yeah, I've always 100%. liked to. I've always liked to to kind of word it as where Canada seems to be like the the secret uh, weapon in professional wrestling, or that uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people that, uh, that have actually. been very successful in wrestling, been Canadian. Just saying. All right, guys, um, <laughs> let us get to a little bit of breaking news. So there's not a whole lot on the, the breaking news from it. The one I did want to kind of uh, touch on, uh, because I know that I can, I think I can pretty safely speak for everybody here that we've been a fan of the first two seasons of this particular show. And we're talking about this briefly before we came on the air here today. And we're talking dark side of the ring. It uh, looks like they're coming back for season three. And uh, I'm really happy to hear about this. Cause I really, really enjoyed the first two seasons. Yeah. They're, uh, do an incredible incredible job i think yep. that everybody's still talking about the owen hart episode they did last year excuse me my um coffee went down the wrong tube there <laughs> during the breaking news when you I think we're all highly coffee. caffeinated yes <laughs> um but they've done an incredible job you yep. even go back to season one and the stuff they did on the von erics and on mm. bruiser brody they have been consistently great with what they've been doing um i'm excited for whatever they put out but like you say, Joe, we were talking before the show starts. I'd love to see them do something on Brian Pillman. I'd love to see something on the plane ride from hell selfishly because who doesn't love a good laugh? Um, but other than that, like they've done such a good job of everything up to this point. I'm just excited to know that it's coming back. For sure. And there's some really notable ones to still take on. I mean, uh, you had mentioned the plane ride from hell, the, the, the Brian Pillman story, which would be a huge one. Uh, the Monday Night War, they could still kind of take on. Ultimate Warrior. Uh, there, there's a lot to still kind of cover. I mean, they could do several, several episodes and seasons of this show. So I'm really curious to see of what they're going to do next because they did an absolutely great job in the production-wise. Even in some of the the um, the little kind of reenactments, they, they use a lot of uh, Canadian or they use actually quite a few uh, uh, independent wrestlers to kind of uh, reenact some of these moments. So they they make use of that as well. Just it's it's been great uh, watching it. and uh, some of the you know especially like the Montreal Screwjob episode and the uh, the brawl for all some of these episodes I've really really enjoyed uh, despite Jim Cornette being on a lot of them. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you one that I, I don't think that a, a lot of people would think about, but the the story of Eddie Graham and his family, mm. Eddie Graham, the famous yeah. Florida promoter who committed suicide, his son, Mike Graham, committed suicide, suicides run in their family, which is a morbid topic. But yep. it's also very fascinating to, to realize that at, generation after generation of the men in their family all committed suicide the and they were all tied into the wrestling business. I think that would be a great Dark Side yep. of the Ring episode. Yes, it would be a sad one, yeah. but also very kind of reflective, and and I I think um, something that people that were fans of pro wrestling would really get into. And you had mentioned yeah. it too, Spencer, with the Von Erichs. I mean, you you want to talk a, a cursed wrestling family full of highly talented people? I mean, wow! I mean, just it's when you really look into that story, especially if you're not really um, aware or or know the story. I mean, just 
it just it, it it's it it I, I can't put it into words it's a uh, there's some and, and what's interesting now is uh two of uh i believe kevin's boys are are in wrestling now and uh yeah marshall and yeah, yeah and th- those are kids are absolutely Jackie. fantastic but uh when you look at their history it's like just hope that history doesn't repeat itself. I don't really want to be the person to say it, but uh, you know, hopefully uh, these guys, because they're supremely talented, you know, just don't want to see the uh, the family tradition, I guess, so to speak, kind of continue with these well, guys. Well, they did the episode, and, you know, Kevin seems to be the one, well, he's the last, the yeah. sole survivor of the Von Erich family, and he's living in Hawaii and having a great life now, and he seems to be the one who escaped all of it, which yeah. is kind mm-hmm. of, even it, it, with, despite all the tragedy, that's the uplifting part of yeah. the story, Yep, you know? It's yeah, great it's that there's pretty an... cool. I well, I got the opportunity the last year to uh, speak to Ross and Marshall, and like you said, nice. Ryan, like they're they're incredible human beings, and the fact that they're not only able to to overcome what they have as a family, but been able to actively embrace it. Like they tell some pretty cool stories about their family history, and yeah. obviously, when any of that stuff comes up, you can't ignore sort of um, you know, excuse the pun, but but the dark side of it, and and to hear yes. what they've been able to do despite their history and despite sort of the the not stigma, but the, the association that does come with the Von Eric name is absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. Uh, that's about it for the breaking news I wanted to kind of bring up. I mean, there's some other kind of dirt cheat nonsense, but, you know, on Turnbuckle Talk, we try and avoid talking too much of the, the smut out there. So uh, we're going to move uh, right uh, away from that and go to our match of the week segment. All right, guys. So, match of the week. Since you're the guest this week, Spencer, I'm going to put you on the spot and uh, have you go first. What was your favorite match of this past week in professional wrestling? Well, I, I had two written down. If I have to pick one, um, I've got to go with Monday Night Raw, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and Seth Rollins. I thought it was fantastic. To be quite honest with you, I'm not usually a big uh, uh, triple threat guy. I like my wrestling to be fairly traditional and mm-hmm. either one-on-one or tag team action absolutely loved the match the only thing that i really didn't like about it which is why i had to give myself sort of a uh, a backup to it i wasn't a huge fan of the ending i don't like how they brought elias back just based on um how he was written off literally a week later seamus took credit for yeah i i basically blamed jeff hardy for it <laughs> but hopefully i get to tune into ryan's interview and find out a little bit more about that but uh the backup match that i have on that one i really really enjoyed uh archer and moxley from dynamite last week i thought it was hard hitting i thought it was everything it should have been i was really really worried about how they were going to end it because i'm just personally not ready for john moxley to not be aew world champion and i thought that they made uh archer look really really good coming out of that because it was just yeah you know i get where the complaint would come with oh it made him look stupid or whatever it may be no i think that that was a perfect example of Somebody really talented got caught, and that's all that happened there. I thought it was a really, really well-done match. As far as a match itself, though, like I say, I really enjoyed the triple threat for Monday night, but it's a good problem to have when you're trying to pick between a couple great matches for a match of the week. Absolutely. What about you, Ryan? What was your favorite match from this past week? Well, I guess for sentimental reasons, I'll go with <laughs> the New Day's going away match. Mm. Um, not not only because I thought, I, I think that um, they... I, that was a team that I really was down on for a lot of years. And then they finally won my respect by putting on such great matches over the years. Yeah. And then the fact that I've said this before, when a six man match breaks down and everybody's throwing the kitchen sink in the ring, the new day may be the best at that. 
they may be the best at throwing those high spots in in a six-man match. I thought getting the chance to see them say goodbye and hopefully Big E gets his huge push, that's my match of the week. Again, I'm speaking from my heart and not from my head. There you go. <laughs> For myself, uh, I'll be the one to venture, I guess, outside of uh, WWE on this one. I am going to go with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, of course. Uh, the very final, n- night 19 in the G1 tournament. The final for the tournament, Kota Ibushi versus Sonata. Uh, this was a fairly lengthy match, though. We went about uh, just over 35 minutes. Uh, so for those of you who don't like long matches, this might not be for you. But if you get a chance to check out this match, I mean, these guys literally did everything that you could possibly do in this ring, move-wise, emotional-wise. I mean, just... It's one of those ones where you just watch, and if you don't get emotionally invested in it, I mean, I question your... <laughs> a question you're, you're, you're thinking on it. Um, just absolutely incredible. These guys playing one hell of a match. I mean, uh, throughout the whole thing, I mean, either one of these, I felt like either one of them could have won. Um, you know, they both look strong, and uh, just the fact that um, that they went with Kota Bushi over everybody involved in this tournament. Like I, like I mentioned earlier in the program, everybody stepped up. You know, Shingo, Minoru Suzuki. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. Shingo, one of my favorite guys right now. But um, to see Kota Bushi win that tournament, and he's going to be going to, to Wrestle Kingdom. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing how that's going to go. And just um, outside of this particular match, it's been a great tournament. And this was just one hell of a match to cap it all off with. Mm-hmm. One hell of a match. Well, I can't argue with that one either. It, it, technically speaking, that should have been the match of the week or the, maybe even the match of the year. Yeah. But I had to go with my heart this time, Big Joe. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take another brief break here, and we're going to hear a little bit more from our friends over at Caller and Evo. Wrestling. Wrestling. What does wrestling mean to me? It's something I always wanted. Always. What wrestling means to me is an escape. What does professional wrestling mean to me? It means life. All my life, I've been hit a pit. I've been struggling with my voice and my hearing. Wrestling means so much to me because when I'm in the ring, I'm not that girl who can't hear. I'm not that girl who speaks a little differently. You know, I guess what wrestling really means to me is freedom. Growing up, I always wanted to be more like the other girls, a bit smaller bit more petite. I didn't feel like I fitted in until I found pro wrestling and then suddenly there was somewhere that I did fit in. What does pro wrestling mean to me? It means family. Professional wrestling to me means strength. Not just physical strength, but emotional and mental strength. Having the strength to go out there and show the world who you are. In the real world, you know, I have to hide. I can be strong or I can be weak. Wrestling to me means life. It's my life. It's everything I know. It's everything I do. I wake up and go to sleep and I breathe wrestling. I am wrestling. Believe that's what wrestling means to me. (laughs) Discipline, sacrifice, and devotion. Wrestling was always my dream since I was little and you know I come from a little country in Italy, a very small town and nobody believed that I was able to leave Italy and come in America and train art to be a professional wrestler but that was I did. So what wrestling means to me is passion. 
and wrestling truly to me means empowerment and fun because I don't have a better time than when I'm in that ring. Professional wrestling has brought me so much joy. I, I just can't even put it into words sometimes. Wrestling to me is the biggest constant in my life. Everything I do revolves around it. My diet, my training, in the gym, in the ring, whatever have you. Wrestling means to me is that it's something that you can express yourself with without any judgment. For me, I want women's wrestling to not be women's wrestling. I want it to be wrestling. It's shown me strength and courage and power and to be completely untouchable. Plain and simple, what professional wrestling means to me is, is everything. I wouldn't give up what I do on a nightly basis for anything else in this world. Wrestling is freedom, and I am born free. Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. All right, guys, so there you go. Another word from our friends over at Collar and ElbowBrand.com. Capped off uh, with our friend um, Jazzy uh, Gabbert over there. And uh, just some fantastic stuff there. You get to really kind of get uh, some insight to, to what really kind of drives these professional wrestlers and uh, kind of keeps them going. So some really cool stuff there from those guys. And just a reminder uh, to use uh, 10%, as you can see on the ticker below, if you use uh, our uh, promo code JK Podcasting at 10% off uh, any of your merch uh, over there. All right, guys, let us get to our final segment for the week. Let's get to our showstopper segment. All right, guys, time for the Showstopper segment this week. And we kind of hinted at it earlier on in the episode here, but we're going to kind of really delve into this, and I'll pull up the graphic. And we're talking about the possibility of doing an NXT brand in Canada. I'm going to start with you, Spencer. You're the guest this week. What do you think about uh, the possibility of doing a full-on NXT brand in Canada? Yeah, I, I, I love it. I don't really have much else to say about that, to be quite honest with you. I don't think I've got anything to qualify why I wouldn't or anything, right? I think that, um, like I said earlier, I think that the entire question changes for me when you bring WWE's money into it. I don't think that there are many people, if any, out there who could bring uh, a Canadian super indie to fruition, or I don't mm -hmm. think that there would be any sort of collective like that. But if you're to have WWE get behind it and say, look, we think it's worth the investment to make a training center in Canada. Hell yeah. I think it'd do absolutely fantastically. Like I say, you look coast to coast at the talent we've got here. You look at women's wrestling, we've got it. Whether it's Zoe Sager, Nicole Matthews, Casey Spinelli, Alexia Nicole, any of those individuals, Jody Threat, you want to talk about high-flying individuals, Michael Richard Blaze, Artemis Spencer, you won't find anybody better than that. You want a veteran? Tyson Dukes is quite possibly the, the personification of what you, you would want in an independent or a wrestling promotions locker room just because of the qualities that he brings both inside and outside of the ring. Everything is... is Everything's there for a NXT Canada. You even want to talk about executives, you know, and I'm just going off of people who are Canadian or based in Canada, and I don't know what it would take to get them out of it or whatever it would mm -hmm. take, but 
you know, you look at Scott Demore, you look at Don Callis, two Canadian individuals who could make a huge impact, not only on the recruiting end, but the producing end on the actual, should this be a televised program, a, a programming end? There are so many assets that there are in Canada at every level that you would need them at professional in professional wrestling, excuse me. So I think that if you've got WWE's money behind it, make hay while the sun shines. It's definitely worth the investment in my eyes. And I think if we were going to look at it a location, because I mean, likely just like the NXT brand in the States, it's kind of centralized or based mainly in, in Florida. I mean, when, when you look at, at at Canada, I mean, for me, the logical place to go would be in Toronto. Either I think either yeah. Toronto or Montreal, but it would likely be Toronto. That, that's your, your highest population center and where you're luckily going to probably draw your biggest audience. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just the, the idea, I mean, this is something that's been kind of whispered and talked about for a little while now, but it's something I would really like to see come to fruition. Like you had mentioned, uh, WWE would be the company to do it at this point. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Ryan, uh, about, uh, bringing an XT brand North of the border? Well, I would agree that probably the, the first logical location would be Toronto, but I also wouldn't rule out Vancouver just mm. for the simple fact that there is so much, it's sort of the Hollywood of Canada, you know, and there's so sure. many opportunities in terms of the entertainment realm, uh, you know, on the West coast of Canada. But I would agree that I think Toronto uh, would, would be the most as, as it's in that sort of that New York metropolitan sort of area, you know, I, I think Toronto and New York have always been kind of connected to each other as the two major cities of the two biggest countries in North America. Um, but at the same time, you know, there, there could be that possibility that they would venture into Montreal to try to capture some of that French speaking audience. So mm-hmm. I, in my mind, I think Toronto is the most logical choice. Number two would be Vancouver. And then a dark horse would maybe be Montreal, but I see no reason why there shouldn't be a WWE, uh, you know, a, a branch of NXT and WWE, as well as Mexico. I, I think in the next few years, we're going to see them branch out into not only North America, but maybe Japan. Mm-hmm. Now you had mentioned two names, uh, Spencer, the, the, that that uh, kind of um, piqued my interest here. You mentioned uh, Scott Demore and uh, Don Callis over there. What are the chances, you know, because we've seen this kind of happen with the, the NXT thing where we're essentially WWE, you know, took like evolve and progress and kind of like essentially turned that into what's the, the chance that WWE just buys up impact. So we, we know that, you know, they, they've talked to impact, you know, for, for use of some of their properties and whatnot for segments and uh, video vignettes and stuff like that. What, what, what are the odds that NXT just buys up that company and, and turns it into NXT Canada? I think it's low now, you know, yeah. and, and I think yeah. it'll be low for a long, long time, just based on the confidence that I've got in impact right now. Yeah. I think that the production they've got behind them, the, the people they've got behind them in, in Anthem, they're here to stay. And I feel pretty confident in saying that right now, yeah. unless something huge happens, to be quite honest with you. A couple of years ago, even, I, I think that the chances would have been a lot higher, maybe during sort of the end of the Dixie mm. Carter run, when yeah. they were sort of going through all the stuff with Billy Corgan. Maybe that would have been the time to really make the move there. Um, but right now, to be just quite honest with you, I don't know how negotiations go. I don't know what a professional wrestling promotion is worth of that level. But I just, in the best possible way, I think the price would just be too high for WWE at this point. I think that they would stand a better chance, and this is all theoretical, but they would stand a better chance of trying to poach the individuals they'd want from it, have it start to go from there, and then potentially try and buy up. But saying that, like, why would anybody want to leave while the getting's good unless it's for substantially more money? You know what I mean? When I say Don Callis and Scott Demore, 
it's because they're Canadian. Mm-hmm. But I think with the work that those guys have done with Impact, the the growth that's happened since they both joined the promotion or rejoined the promotion in some cases, um, why would you want to leave while you're building momentum? You know what I mean? Maybe it's just the way that I look at at, at work and sort of where I see Impact right now. But I don't think that they're a, a fully finished product. I still think that they've got higher and higher goals to them. So why leave while you're on the upswing? You know, I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to throw in real quick, I think Anthem is has fully invested. I, I think they wouldn't have made the moves they've made in the last couple of years if they weren't. And also, I don't think that Callis uh, or Demore would make a move somewhere unless it was peripheral, where it was to the point where they would still have some sort of creative role. You know, if they were part of WWE, they would want to have some kind of production role in the background where they were bookers or helping write the show. I, I just, I don't see that happening anytime soon. And yeah. looking at it from a, from a talent aspect as well, you know, you look at some of the, the people that are over there talent wise. Uh, there was even a photo done recently. I mean, a lot of these guys are were pretty vocal and very visibly anti WWE. I believe there was a whole group of them essentially giving everybody the finger, uh, probably specifically giving Vince the finger, but um, to, to kind of look at it from the opposite viewpoint from where you guys are looking at, because like, like we had mentioned, you know, impacts kind of on the rise again, and there's a pretty substantial talent base. I mean, if WWE had enough money, I, I almost think that now it would actually be the time to kind of pounce on, on this if you had enough money and really wanted to make that push into Canada. I think that, you know, the, the timing would actually kind of be ideal if you really want to pull the trigger on it and just really throw money at them and just say, you know what, we want, we're just going to buy you guys out completely. It, it would be a real power move and it would uh, definitely be the talk of, uh, of Canadian wrestling for sure for a little while. <laughs> it would be amazing. Least, right? Honestly, it would be amazing, and it might be a really good thing for the pro wrestling business. See if that? you were able to assume Impact as an outside entity of the company, mm-hmm. but I, I just think at this point, I, I don't think Anthem is in a position where they want to sell the company just yet. No. Yep. Well, it's something that um, it's been talked about for a while. I'm sure that we'll we'll continue to mention. We'll keep an eye, and if it definitely if it happens. He, if it happens, we'll definitely be talking about it. But uh, mm-hmm. I would definitely agree that uh, I would like to see them kind of stay their own kind of thing. But uh, financially, I think if there were the money was there, it would be it would be really something. It would it would rival the the WCW. I think. I mean, as, especially as a Canadian fan, it would be a pretty huge thing for W to make that big push into Canada. Which, uh, like I said, you know, when it comes to just fan wise, there's a huge talent base from here, and like I said, there's a tremendous amount of absolutely world-class talent that has come out of this country as well yeah. so um to kind of cap off the episode here just uh, i know it was very canadian centric here but like i just said you know canada just has been a real hotbed of professional wrestling for a long time and still is and just some of the the the, the talent that's come out especially people who are active in the business i mean we'll talk one right at the top chris jericho i mean right out of winnipeg who'd have thought winnipeg would have been like a hotbed of professional wrestling in canada i'd <laughs> Somebody looking from the outside and be like, "Really? That's the place? Okay." <laughs> you would have won a lot of money placing the money on those odds. <laughs> Trust me, guys. I don't feel like an outsider, even though I'm the only American. <laughs> I'm, I always feel welcomed by my Canadian friends. Well, I think we almost gonna end up making you an honorary Canadian. I think at some point, right? I, gonna... I feel like one at some time. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll kind of wrap up the episode here. Um, Ryan, where can everybody find you and what you're up to these days? You can find me on Twitter at Ryan K. Bowman, just like it's spelled below me, on Facebook at Ryan K. Bowman, and you can find me at sportskeeda.com covering both pro wrestling and the NFL. 
Absolutely. And uh, Spencer, where can all of our fans and viewers find you? I usually just stick to Twitter. If you guys want to keep up with my puppy more than you want to keep up with me, follow me on Instagram at Spenny and the Jets. But on Twitter, it is at Spenny Love. I love talking wrestling with anybody, usually talking anything in professional wrestling. Send me a message, a tweet, a GIF, or a GIF, depending on which way you go with it. But <laughs> that's about it. That's about all. I'm one place. I'm easy to find, and I am on there all the time. So hope to talk to you guys soon. There and that go. dog's a bigger star than all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a great way to end off an episode. All right, guys, we will see you on the next one. Take care. Better than ever. <laughs> it's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. You can find that all at givingthebucks.com. Right. Just let yourself...